Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Are we ready for the word? All right. Well, today we actually, with, with the conclusion of our series on generations, we thought it would be great to have a panel that would represent the various generations. And uh, we understand that there's stages in life, not just uh, physically as we grow up, as we get older and all that, but also spiritually as we grow up and mature in Christ. And, and we've covered this past month looking at birth, babyhood, childhood, adulthood, and seniorhood, all of those various stages and how they relate to our spiritual growth as well. Now, a scripture, and I'm going to share this, it will be on the screen for you, Psalms 119, 89 and 90. This has been our theme verse for this particular series this past month. And it reads, Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You've established the earth, and it stands fast. We, we want to pray in just a moment, but we, are, we need to understand that God's faithfulness extends to every generation. It doesn't matter what generation you represent. God's faithfulness will meet you in that place. So let's join our faith together as we pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful today to be able to come before you to receive your word. I thank you for this panel and the things that we're going to share, Father, in relating to their generation. We thank you, Father, for moving in the hearts and lives of people here today so that when we leave, we can have a greater encounter in your presence. In Jesus' name, we pray. Now, in a moment, I'm going to introduce these guys, but we need to understand that in every stage of natural life, and I have a slide for this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. In every stage of natural life and in our spiritual growth, we are to discover and encounter a greater revelation of the love of God. And that's kind of the framework of what we want to cast before you today. We want you to discover a greater revelation of the love of God. And as you hear from these individuals, uh, we're going to have some good stuff here. Uh, so we are going to start. I'm going to hand Chris the mic. And I'm going to let them introduce themselves, okay? And they're going to also tell us what generation they represent. Okay, in fact, let's put a slide on, on, on the board. Uh, this is generations alpha through baby boomers, okay? All right. And there's, you, can, you guys can turn around and look at this too. can't see it. Um, but you see builders there. That's actually uh, the one before baby boomers. And uh, some sources call that the silent generation because those were people that navigated through the Great Depression and uh, they didn't speak up a whole lot, but uh, I talked to uh, one of those people this morning. They said, I'm very vocal. So that, you know, just because that's a stereotype of that generation, that's not necessarily the case. But we see baby boomers, uh, Generation X, Generation Y, Generation Z, and then Generation Alpha. And those five are represented up here um, and which one do you know is the millennials? Generation Y. Okay, some of you are pretty smart. Okay. Anyway, all right. We'll start. Introduce yourself. Um, good morning. My name is Chris Wall. Um, I'm the house manager at Destiny Point Women's Restoration Home, and I am a boomer. So that was between, I believe, 1944 and 1964. My name is Jennifer Kleiner, and I'm on staff here at Refuge. I'm the program director for Canaland. I represent Gen X. That is from about 1965 to 78 or 1980. Good morning. I'm Ashley Prinson. I, in my life, am a product owner at Skyward, and I guess I'm a generation Y for millennials. 
Morning, everybody. I'm Sam Schneider. I'm the resident Gen Seer or Zier up here on stage today, and I get the great pleasure of being on staff here at Refuge, serving as the video producer and then serving in various teams here on Sunday mornings and throughout the week. And it's a great honor to just be here this morning. Hello, my name is Noah, and I am um, Generation Alpha. Yes. And I could say this for Noah, he's a student at Stevensburg Christian Academy, so, yeah. Now, the next slide up here is generations by population. So you can kind of get an idea, maybe, of the population. If you want to move to the next slide. All right, so baby boomers, about 74 million of us. Uh, that's, I'm in that crowd too, okay. Uh, Generation X, about 50 million. Millennials, 83 million. And Generation Z, 86 million. I don't think we have an actual count on the alpha generation at this point. I, I couldn't find it anyway, but I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Um, and then the, this next gen slide actually shows the years of, or the kind of profiles. Um, yeah, this is the right one. Uh, the years that kind of identify this group. And some sources may vary. Uh, a little bit from year to year, but this is the general uh, proximity. So as you look at this, for baby boomers, 1944 to 64, uh, if you're in that, if you were born within that age span, you can identify yourself as a baby boomer. Gen X, 65 to 79, or as uh, Jennifer said, 80. Some sources uh, reveal that. Uh, millennials, 1980 to 94. Uh, and then Gen Z, 95 to 2015. So that kind of gives you the date. And, and uh, the alpha, some sources say 2011 to present, and this particular one says 2015 to present. So Noah qualifies for a generation alpha, at least for today's service, okay? All right? Okay, now uh, the next slide shows some profiles and maybe just a little bit information that it shows the years of age and uh, social media. Uh, for the baby boomers, 61% check their phone notifications one to three times per hour. 70% uh, of Gen Xers uh, check those one to three times per hour. And as you can see, Generation Y and Z, uh, they're equal there at 79%. So uh, it's interesting that social media spans all the generations. So that's uh, good for some of us that are getting a little older. We're keeping up at least in part with technology, which is important. So we do have some questions we're going to field. And uh, the first question, and Chris will begin representing her generation, is whether it's social, emotional, or spiritual, financial, or otherwise, what are the issues your generation is facing? As you can see, I had to put on my glasses, and I think I'm the only one up here with paper notes instead of my phone because I know that I would hit a wrong button and then be gone. So, <laughs> I think the biggest challenge is possibly the fact that we have spent so many generations and have seen so much change in those 20 years. Um, I can remember, speaking of technology, and I asked Pastor Deb if I could use props. I left my prop. Anyway, I had a flip phone, and when I was a child, <clears throat> there was a TV show where they flipped something called a communicator, and it was on Star Trek, and that was science fiction to us. So later on, was, I was quite a bit older before I got my first flip phone, and now we have the smartphones where you can talk face-to-face -face with people, and that's amazing transition, and it changes a lot of things. It changed a lot of things for us. Socially, uh, by my age, usually you have your social friends and family. That's all said. Family members, uh, we're not dealing with uh, little children anymore. Our children are grown. And uh, so we're dealing with grandchildren, and that's great. And uh, also, financially, that depends. It can be a struggle because a lot of people are on a set income. And if you're on a set income, of course, that limits what you can do. But there was also some great financial times that people were able to make a lot of money, 401Ks, all of those things. 
And if you were smart enough to do that, you can be set up pretty good for life. But there was also some tough times. There was um, a stock market that wasn't like the big crash, but it crashed. Those were in like the 80s. In the 2000s, early 2000s, real estate just took a real dive. 40% of the value of your home was gone. So there was some struggles through all of that. A medical things are we're facing medically. A lot of people are on um, Medicare, Medicaid, things like that. So we're limited and in that. And also um, emotionally, the hardest thing I believe is the losses. Um, you may lose your home. Or, you know, as you move, you have to move into an apartment. Um, the loss of family members. We just buried my one of my uncles uh, about a month ago, and he was my father had nine brothers and sisters, and he was the last in line. So when we look at each other then as cousins and say, you know, that's the last one in line, those are difficult things because in those days, family was, was huge, everything you did together. And so those are some of the challenges that we face. Well, it's kind of funny. Chris and I were actually talking before we came in here, and um, I said, yeah, I didn't print out my notes, and I don't know if I should have in case my phone fails. And she's like, yeah, I have my paper notes. <laughs> but, yeah, like she said about technology, it's really interesting. I remember my mom talking um, as I was growing up, and she used to watch the George Jetsons show. And that show was all about what the future would look like in space travel and having all these electronical devices where you could have video conversations with people, and that's kind of how, what we have now. So it's just amazing how really probably the last 150 years have really changed our country and society. But my generation, um, we were the preppy kids growing up. We were kind of the last of that generation where our parents were the baby boomers. We... Um, they, my parents, my grandparents were fought in, you know, my, my dad's generation. They were drafted to war when they were just out of high school. My grandpa was in World War II. So obviously patriotism was very big to us, being respectful, um, being respectful of your authority figures. And yet my generation, we did not want to be just stuck in a small community. We wanted to go out and see the world. So we were the risk takers. Um, we wanted to go out and do something in the world. And also technology was just coming out. As I was in middle school, we had the first Apple computers and just thought it was so cool. So, you know, my generation, we want technology. That's what we thrive for. We th just think it's so awesome because it's not something we had when we were kids. So, I, um, But with that, because we're risk takers, we didn't always plan financially. And I think that that's one of the, the biggest things with my generation is that we're kind of the sandwich generation also. You know, we're, we're raising children. We're still paying for our own college tuition. And now, you know, I have two teenagers. We're paying, getting ready to pay for all of their tuitions. And so plus there's a lot of... Plus a toddler. Yeah, plus a toddler. I'll get into that. We have Gen Z, and we also have an Alpha Gen. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, all the financial burdens that come along with that. And my parents are getting ready to retire, taking care of them too. So it's just really interesting. Um, you know, I never thought about, okay, I need to think of myself and planning for my future and having, you know, my retirement money saved up as well. So that's something that I know I need to think about. Right. Ashley, millennials, look out. Millennials. Oh, geez. So when I read this question the first time, the first two things that popped into mind were student loans and just like, what's our purpose? I think as a millennial, we all are burdened by the student loans. I mean, my, my parents were able to, to work and go to college and pay for it as they were going. And that just wasn't a reality for me. I worked 30 plus hours, had several jobs, and still graduated with $75,000 in student loans. So you pay your minimum payment, and you get your next bill, and what you owe is greater than what you owed the month before because you're paying on all that interest. And I think that that leads to a lot of hopelessness, and it's hard to, 
to find anything good when you're so burdened with such a financial um, strain. And I know people who have who've graduated with twenty thousand, and they they feel that burden as well. And then the second thing that came to mind was this sense of purpose. A lot of my peers, we graduated from college and we were told, oh, when you, when you get into the real world, you're going to get a job and you're going to be making 75 grand a year. That sounds really nice, but that's not reality. <laughs> and um, the, the expectation of what, the expectations that were put on us, I think, by our parents and our counselors and other mentors, just it, it didn't come to fruition. And we're, we're paying for that, um, literally and figuratively. And it's hard to find purpose. It's hard to find hope. And when you're, when you're just, you're, you're stuck in that rat race. And I think that's what is affecting a lot of millennials today and will definitely lead to some of my answers in the next questions. Yeah, and I think, um, Ashley, too, and, and the debt per capita is at an all-time high uh, in our nation, and I think it's reflected in what both Jennifer and Ashley have shared. That's probably one of the reasons. Yeah, so it's something we have to deal with. And I just a little plug for Ashley and Jason. They lead Financial Peace University. So you want to get your finances in order, plug into their small group. Yeah. If you want to find some hope with your finances, join us with Financial Peace University because there is hope. And I guess I'll just share a little more. Um, in March of 2017, I was 30 years old and I had $103,000 in debt. And in maybe four weeks, Jason and I will be debt-free. Awesome. Tremendous. There's right, absolutely Sam. hope. Yeah, so um, in really kind of each aspect of this question, I think Gen Z faces a pretty, like, particular set of issues. And so in the social and emotional side of things, I really believe that in large part, Gen Z is a very loving and caring generation that wants to give to society because we see these amazing generations before us that have already gone up and really done their part for society. And many of them, like the millennials and the next generations, um, still, still contributing in uh, alphabet, something like that. They're still doing great things for society, and we see lots of millennials really coming up through the ranks these years and just really making leaps and bounds in their careers and whatnot. And so Gen Z is really kind of sitting on the edge of all this, wondering what they're going to do next. And so in just this social and emotional side of things, they, there's a lot of just, like, care for society and they want to contribute but they're still trying to negotiate their way through high school or college or whatever it is that they may be going through and figuring out their place in society and then when you move on to even the spiritual side of things there's this longing within Gen Z of wanting more wanting to find something filling and when they're not finding the correct filling it's like a bad filling in a pie. It's going to be a bad pie. So when Gen Z isn't getting that spiritual filling from the church and from the word of God, they're finding that filling in the things of this world. And so really it's our responsibility as a church to make a push for that younger generation. And even as Ashley was saying, with college loans and whatnot, moving into that financial side of things, Gen Z, they're kind of sitting on the edge of all this where they're seeing people with hundreds of thousands of dollars in student debt and they're wondering is college really the thing for me or maybe they're in college occurring debt right now and they're wondering should I keep doing this or should I just go get a trade job should I go do something that's going to make me a lot of money and that's another thing is that Gen Z sees you know these millionaires and billionaires being so successful in society and they're thinking man I have to live up to this standard how am I going to ever get on that level when I'm just here in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, going to high school, not even sure what I want to do. And so I believe that really uncertainty is one of the things that's plaguing Gen Z the most. And really, just to kind of boil it all down into one thing, I really think what's plaguing Gen Z is just a war over identity in every area of this, social, emotional, spiritual, financial. Gen Z finds their identity within these elements. So they think, if I'm in this financial class, I could, never, I could never live up to that financial class. Or if my emotional health is taking a hit each and every day, I'm never going to get out of it. I'm never going to be a happily 
living in society person, you know? And so, and then even spiritually, they think, okay, I've got this gaping hole in my heart, in my life. I need to find something to fill it. And they're just going to take whatever seems most appealing in that moment. Because another thing about Gen Z is we're not the most patient generation by any means. We're, (laughs) a lot of you guys know, we want our Starbucks like that. (laughs) Order ahead of time, it helps. We want, we want, we want satisfaction and fulfillment in the easiest way we can get it and in the fastest way we can get it because we are trying to figure our life out at this very moment in time. We don't know what to do next, and so we want answers. We're trying to seek out the correct path for our lives. And when we don't have a proper view of the Gospels or the church or the church body as a whole, we don't really have a good path or a path that's going to lead to anything really fulfilling because Christ is the only thing that's going to truly fulfill Gen Z. I believe, as Sam was relating and sharing, it's understanding the reality. We are facing some great challenges in society, and those challenges seem to be getting uh, greater, but yet there are solutions. There is hope, and there are answers, and, and that's why we serve God and we look to him and he has an answer and a solution for every problem. Amen. Thanks, Sam. Now for Noah, uh, we didn't think this question was necessarily something he would have to tackle. So we rephrased it uh, to bring it down to his level because he's only eight years old. Um, Noah, what are the two hard things kids your age have to deal with? Well, for um, to fight through anger and when the devil comes and takes you over, you, you should, um, like, take him over and fight. Awesome. <laughs> uh, straight from the mouth of an eight-year-old, yeah. Uh, how many of you get angry sometimes? Okay, at every age, there's, uh, yeah, we have to deal with that, right? Great, great answer, Noah. Uh, the second question. And we'll start with Chris. How do you think your generation perceives the church today? What has contributed to that perception? I feel I can only answer this personally. Um, I'm not sure about a lot of other, other people because I think there's a, a, quite a variance here. I was raised in a denominational church. And in that church, there wasn't uh, a personal relationship with Christ was not Uh, at the forefront, but I have to say that the morals and the basic understanding, we knew that we believed in God, maybe we maybe didn't know why, but we knew that the morals were correct. So that gives you that foundation, and that's that was a good place for me to start. Um, Today, I think people my age, unfortunately, go to church, put in their time on Sunday, and go home and think that that's okay. Um, I don't think that's okay. Uh, I think that we need to be more connected, especially as we get older. You hear the phrase, well, that's just an old person trying to get into heaven. And I'm like, so what if it gets them into heaven? But if we stay connected before that, I think that all of the issues that I I mentioned before are easier to face and easier to work through. Uh, Looking for that personal relationship in a church strengthens us. It makes us more of that uh, founding person in our families that people turn to. I know my children, excuse me, and um, even cousins and things like that, if they have issues, they know that I'm a Christian. They know that I go to church. So they'll call when they have a problem. They'll say, you know what, what should I do about this? And I can always go back to the word because I know it's absolutely 100% correct that I'll never be wrong with, with giving them biblical advice. I just want to see everybody in my generation um, pursuing God because it's not too late. He's still got a plan. I don't care how old you are. He can still use you. He took me at um, just a couple years ago to a, a phenomenal ministry to do work that I never thought that I would be doing. And he can do that with everybody because that's what he does. Thank you, Chris. Great answer. Well, I grew up in a Lutheran church, and um, I probably went to church almost every Sunday. 
if my parents didn't take me, my grandparents did. Um, it was a, a foundation for our family to do that, and our extended family, too. Grandma and Grandpa would take us to Sunday school. I went with my sister and my cousins. And then the church service was always after Sunday school. Then we went out after church for dinner. We would go to the lake. I grew up in Michigan, so we'd go sit at the beach or we'd go to the library. It was always family time on Sunday. And so that's something that I really believe was a foundation that was set in my life. And I know a lot of my friends were like that growing up, too. Most of my classmates, we all went to church. We were all part of different denominations and were Christians. Um, we, we did youth group together. We loved to worship together. And I really believe that that's a, a foundation that was um, instilled in us. But like Sam said, you know, he was talking about his generation and just everything being much more fluid now. But when I was growing up, we believed the word of God was true. That was our foundation. If the Bible said it, we believed it. That was it. Everything we did revolved around what the word of God said. You know, that was our foundation. Um, so I really believe that that's part of how our generation perceives the church today. However, in recent years, you know, probably within the last 10 to 20 years, I feel like there's just been a decline, even with my generation, in attending church all the time. It just, I don't know if it's if it's just not a societal norm anymore that, oh, we can just be more laxadacious with our Christianity and, and having that commitment to attending church. I think humanism and relativism, uh, those philosophies have, have really brought people under a different mindset. Uh, and that's, that's a challenge that we have to be able to deal with because we need to hold to a biblical worldview on how we relate to the world. Ashley? Yeah, I feel like I'm going to reiterate some of these things myself. Um, I, my father was a Lutheran pastor, and I grew up in a, a Lutheran church. All of my friends in school went to denominational churches. But I think, and so we all had that foundation, whether or not it, the relationship with Jesus was there. We still knew the Bible. We, we still knew that it was true, and we had morals. I think where my generation breaks off is that almost all of my friends, including myself, come from divorced families. And at the age of 13, my parents got divorced, and that's when church no longer became relevant. Um, for me, and I think I probably speak for a lot of people in my generation, it's hard to have a relationship with the father if your earthly father isn't that great. And um, sorry for all the awesome dads out in the audience, but when you're a child and your world is split apart through divorce and you see the pain from, from both of your parents, but also like the inability to push through and to have resolution and the complete selfishness, it's incredibly difficult to form a relationship, to trust that the heavenly father cares about you when you can't even see it with your earthly father. Um, so I think that that is, uh, and also in addition to that, once my generation got into college, the message was live your life, experiment, have fun, forget about all that other stuff because when you're older you can come back and, and then start, when you start your own family, that's when you go back to church and that's when you, you know, kind of put your life back together. Um. Absolutely. I'll really kind of reiterate everything Ashley just said. For my generation, we're really seeing a time in our country where the divorce rate's at a really, really sad rate. And so we're seeing broken homes, and many of us are living in broken homes. I am a child of divorced parents. And even not even divorced parents, but just fatherless homes in today's society, they're really becoming more and more and more common. And it's something that's very sad to see because that connection between a child and their father, it really, really is symbolic of our relationship with our Heavenly Father and even our relationship with, relationship with the church as a whole. And so how I think um, Gen Z really perceives the church in today's day and age, and I in no way project this onto all of Gen Z. There's many like myself who are completely committed and love their church. But I feel that 
much of Gen Z sees the church as almost this restrictive body, a body that when they go into it, they have to leave this and this and this behind. And while that may be true, it's a loving environment. It's an environment that encourages you to leave those things behind, not say, drop that right now or you're kicked out. And I feel like that's how a lot of Gen Z is seeing the church. They're seeing the church as a list of rules and regulations. And how many of us just scroll through the rules and regulations and click, I agree? <laughs> Me. We all just want to skip over it. We don't want to have to deal with it. We don't have time to read it. And so we just skip on by it. And I feel like that's what a lot of Gen Z is doing with the church today. They're seeing this list of rules and regulations, and they're saying, I, I, I don't want to deal with that. I just want to do what the millennials are doing, and I want to go live my life. I want to go to college, you know, go to parties, go have fun. But that's not what it's about. The church has to be not this list of rules and regulations, but this body of love and acceptance and encouragement to when the Gen Z comes into the church, they're not downcast upon. They're instead loved and built up and encouraged to live a godly life. Yeah, there are misconceptions, I believe, of what true Christianity is. And when we realize that Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship with God. It's not rule-based, it's grace-based. When we encounter the grace of God, the love of God, it brings transformation in our lives. Amen. Yeah. Amen. All right. Noah, do kids your age like going to church? Why or why not? Hold the mic up real close to your mouth. Why? Because they um, learn about Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And why not? Because some people don't believe in him and don't like him. Very good. All right. Thank you, Noah. All right. The third question. We're coming back to Chris here. Uh, what character traits, skills, or strengths do you feel that your generation uniquely has to offer our faith community? Experience, wisdom. Um, I think by this time you really do know what's true and what you can depend on, what endures. Um, in the experience, you know, if you have, if you go up to a, a person of, of my age or in that 55 to 75-year-old range and ask a question or present something and they say to you or, or you present a problem to them and they were to say to you, you know, it's going to be all right, that's not patronizing. They know it's going to be all right, especially if they're a person of faith. So um, go to them. I go to a lot of people that are even older than me for that wisdom or people my own age because we have been through some stuff. Um, I mentioned them earlier. Some of those losses, they, they show you that you can get through losses and you can come out the other side, and it will change you. It's not something that you put aside and never feel again. They'll change you, but it'll make you stronger, and all of those things are possible. Um, I think I, I like to go back to 2 Corinthians um, 4, 7 through 9, when it talks about the things that can happen to us in this life, that we are pressed, we are persecuted, and many times you are going to be perplexed. But you're never going to be defeated. You're never going to be destroyed uh, because God is there all the time. And if you've walked in faith for a while, you get those foundations and I'm not saying that we can't get shaken by some things because we sure can. But we know that we know in our heart of hearts that God has been there through all of it. And we've seen some tough things, and he has always stood strong. He's always faithful. He never fails, and his love never fails. And that's something that they can share with you because it's the truth. And we all want the truth. Amen. That's good. He's always faithful. Always faithful. Jennifer? Well, I believe, you know, as you can see, the Gen X is kind of in the middle. So I believe that my generation can help bridge the gap between the generations. I read an article at biblicalleadership.com that explains how young adults are leaving the Christian church, but the Gen Xers are the ones who can help, quote-unquote, save the church. We are the generational mediators who can understand each other and help translate effectively and help build bridges within the church. 
And I also wanted to challenge just each of you who are parents to really um, make sure that you're connected in church and that you get your children plugged into church. Um, I can speak from experience there. And I also wanted to share a couple of statistics that I have heard. Um, Children nowadays only attend church about one to two times a month. And the most received prayer request from children is that their parents would spend more time with them instead of on their phones. If the next generation is going to learn about the word of God and the truth of God's word, it's our job to tell them about it. You know, we have, like I had said before, we have two teenagers, and it was never not an option to come to church unless they were sick. And so we instilled that into them when they were younger, and now they come to church willingly. They serve in Refuge Kids. They serve on the worship team and the tech team, and they want to they want to serve and volunteer. And that's something that's so important if we're going to continue that on to the next generation. Right, Ashley. Yeah, so like I said before, our generation is looking for their purpose. We're seeking. And I think that's something that really makes our generation unique is that we're um, persistent in that seeking and persistent in trying to find that purpose. We want it. We're looking for authenticity. That's kind of a buzzword in our generation. What's authentic? Can it be real? And so I think with a lot of the pain and the hopelessness in our generation, the seeking gets us to to the truth. And when my generation finds that truth and that hope in, in Christ, there's like this, this revival, right? That's another buzzword too. There's a revival and that revival is so beautiful and I've seen it in so many people in my generation. It's, it's my story. Um, and so I, I know that there's hope and I know that my generation will continue seeking until they find it. On the flip side of that, the, the seeking can also lead my generation down some pretty dark and dangerous paths. So I challenge the other millennials in this room to not be afraid to share your story with your peers and to help them find the hope and the authenticity that's, that's found in the Bible and that they're not going to find down the other ways. That's excellent. Thank you, Ashley. Red Sam? Absolutely. Seeking is a very common theme in these younger generations. As Gen Z is coming up through high school and going into college, they're seeking for their place in society and in this world as a whole. And Gen Z stands in a very unique position where we're really the first generation to grow up and mature side by side with all of the technology that we have today. So if you, I don't know if any of you have ever watched a 10-year-old work an iPad, but it's better than even I could do. And it's really astonishing because this generation is so in touch with technology and they really hold such potential to not only utilize that technology in today's day and age, but carry it into the future because we are the next generation and we're going to be those movers and shakers in that next generation in whatever field we go into. And so with that technology and with the way the world is going, it's really so important that this technology is utilized by Gen Z and the millennials and the Generation Alpha in the church setting because as the world moves forward, so does the church have to as well, because we are in the world, but we're not of it. So we have to reach the world where the world is at, and where the world is at is technology right now. And so um, a quick scripture I thought to share is just Joel one three, and it says, tell your children of it, and let your children tell their children, and their children to another generation. And so we see here, through all these generations, this is the, the gospel, the message of Jesus, his love and really just his acceptance of us, his complete and total love and sacrifice for us is something that has to be told generation after generation after generation. And how is today's generation, whether it's Gen Z or the millennials or Gen Alpha, getting their information? They're getting it through technology. And so Gen Z stands in a very unique place to utilize that technology to share the message of Jesus Christ with their generation and with the generation's all around them. It's, we saw earlier how many, um, how often even baby boomers check their social media. It's one to three times an hour, I believe, is what it was. And so everyone is using this technology, and I believe Gen Z stands in a very unique place to utilize that technology to further the mission of Jesus Christ. 
Thank you, Sam. Very well stated and can't be any truer than that. Um, so, Noah, uh, what are two things people at church need to learn from kids? You can um, pray in many different ways. What's something else that people like us, all the folks, can learn from you? What can you teach us? To love one another. There you go. I, I was waiting for that. I, I, I sensed that coming. All right. Now, this last question, we're going to only give uh, the panel about 30 seconds to answer it. So it'll be a briefer answer uh, as we move through this. Uh, but uh, the question, the final question today that we're asking the panel um, is what qualities or strengths do you feel like your generation is lacking and needs to humbly learn from the whole beautiful multi-generational body of Christ? I know it's going to be hard to say in 30 seconds or less. But... I think that we can get stuck in my generation and not be willing to learn some of the new things. And that's pride. You know, we have experienced a lot and we do know a lot, but we've got to keep moving forward. I think it's just so awesome that even though our, uh, our God is never changing, he's always doing something new. And we've got to learn that too. So to pass on to these, to the young ones too, they can, they can teach us so much. We need to teach them practical experience and things and not to maybe to depend 100% on technology, but we need to be up with it. And so they, we need to learn from them and be willing to, to uh, accept that when they're doing it instead of being maybe annoyed by it. So I think pride sometimes is our biggest downfall when you get to be my age, and uh, we can get over that. So. Good answer. Thank you. I believe my generation needs to be willing to change in order to reach the next generation, to be willing to teach and train them as well. And the Christian walk is all about building relationships with other people, so it's about being relational with them. Um, Pastor Matt had shared um, from Psalm 119, and I also had read last night from 1 Peter 24 through 25, and I won't read all that, but just want to say that the word of the Lord stands forever, no matter what happens. His faithfulness will endure to all generations. But how will they hear if we don't tell them? I agree. I think pride is probably our biggest obstacle. Um, I see this bumper sticker sometimes, and it says, my way. And I, and I think that my way is the biggest obstacle for our generation. We have so much to learn from the generations that preceded us. And we have a lot to learn from the generations that come after us as well. I think a key word is we need to be teachable. If we're teachable, we're reachable. Very good. I think the biggest thing that Gen Z needs in today's day and age is a new revelation of their self-worth. Because we live in a time where we see so many people fighting depression and fighting whatever it may be that they're going through. And they just don't know how loved they are by God, by the church, and by those around them. In 2 Timothy um, uh, 1.7, it just says that God gave us a spirit not of fear. And so many kids these days are walking in fear, fear of what's next, fear of missing out, fear of what if I do this and not this, or what if I do this and not this, what if I don't do this, what is going to happen? We need to know that we are so loved by God, and that love is what gives us our immeasurable worth in, to, in, in our world and to God. That's awesome. That's great. So Noah, for the final question, what are two things kids need to learn from older people at church? To have faith in Jesus Christ. To love one another. Awesome. Yeah, that can always be restated. Yes. Well, can you give this panel a hand? And... I just want to, as they exit the stage, I want to uh, thank you for participating in this. Your insight is valuable. 
and insightful, and, and I trust that you have benefited from uh, this discussion today and the things that were shared. Um, at this time, the worship team can come up, and I want to close in a, a verse of scripture we see in the book of Second Corinthians, uh, chapter seven. That's it. Uh, chapter five. We realize that every single generation has a persona. Uh, and with distinct attitudes about family, about life, about gender roles, institutions, and and, and all that stuff, lifestyles, and even the future. Uh, But I believe that there's this thing, and I want to state it as intergenerational, uh, to have that perspective that we, together as generations that worship together, that share life together, can really benefit from one another because none of us have arrived. The scripture reads in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and, and this, as I read this, realize that our role as believers is the role of an ambassador. And it's understanding who we represent and what we represent in this generation. 2 Corinthians 5, sitting in verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That means that in Christ, we're something different, something new, something that really didn't exist before. We're a new creation. It goes on to say, The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Verse 18 goes on to say, All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. See, every one of us have a ministry. And that ministry is reconciliation. It's to reconcile this. Bring, it's to bring parties together where there's differences, where there's conflicts, where there's animosities. It's to bridge the gap between, in, in this case, what we're talking about here today, generations. It goes on to say, in verse 19, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. In other words, bringing the world back into favor with himself through Jesus. Not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation, which is, God's not mad at you. But God has extended his love to reach you, to forgive you, to embrace you, so that you can be changed and transformed by his power. And then verse 20, I love this. It says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God or be restored in right relationship with God. So really that's our mission. When we're talking about intergenerational things, it's realizing that our mission is the same from generation to generation. It's just how are you going to serve in the place that you are to impact others around you? And especially, as uh, Sam said, it's passing it on, it's sharing it, and others stated that as well. We have something to share. We can't let our encounter with God that we've experienced die with us. But we need to share that experience so others can benefit from it as well. I want you to stand together with me. As we bring this service to a conclusion, I want to extend an invitation to you. The invitation is for you to connect with Jesus Christ, for you to come into this thing called reconciliation or being restored to favor with God. Maybe you're at a place in your life where there's uncertainty. You don't really know that you or where you stand with God, if you stand with God at all. Or maybe you say, Pastor, I have not made my peace with God. If I were to leave this life today, I'm uncertain whether or not I would go to heaven. And even if you believe in a heaven or hell, 
there's questions that people deal with today in that regard. But I want to extend to you an invitation for you to put your faith in Jesus and to trust him. And you don't have to know everything about him to make a commitment to him. But what you do need to know is that he is God's son that was sent into this world to die for you and to die for me. He hung on the cross, shed his blood to forgive us and to take the place, the penalty that we deserved, the judgment that we deserved. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed in this auditorium this morning, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I know that my life is not right with God. And I'm at a place in my life that I'm willing to open my heart to him. I'm at a place in my life where I'm willing to commit my life to him. Now, this is a matter of trust. If you're at that place and you're ready to open your heart and put your trust in Jesus, I want you to slip up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. For those of you that raised your hands and everyone else, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. I call it a believer's prayer. It's a prayer that we pray to receive Jesus. It's a prayer that we pray to connect with Jesus. So repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I open my heart to you. I believe you sent Jesus Christ to this world to die on the cross for me. He paid the price of my sins. I believe he rose from the dead to give me life. He conquered death for me. Jesus, today I put my trust in you. Today I open my heart to you. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Jesus, make my life what you want it to be. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you today for coming. We're going to worship God in the song as a body of believers. And then we're going to have the prayer team up here. They'll be available to pray if you raised your hand in response to that invitation today. Uh, We would like to pray with you and share with you the next steps of, of your journey with God. But thank you for coming today. I hope you found this helpful and meaningful. Did you find this meaningful this morning, the service? Amen. Well, God bless you. Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.